how can we bring Chinook salmon, King salmon, back? And why are farmers involved in all of this? I think a lot of folks in the farming community know. Welcome back. We continue here. Uh, this is the Farming Show, KGMI News Talk 790. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Our sponsors, Laurel Farm and Western Supply, Farmers Equipment Company, McAvoy Oil. Big thank you to them for making it possible to talk about farming here for an hour on a Saturday morning. And this is something that we've been talking off and on about for quite a while, especially since a big study came out. And this is just one of multiple studies saying similar things. A big study came out about a year ago now uh, talking about problems that, that Chinook salmon are facing. And, you know, farming cares about this because farming has been, you know, under the gun, uh, quite honestly, to, to, to help um, restore salmon populations. Farming's uh, been doing a lot of work over the last couple of decades to, you know, improve streams. I and mean, far- farming has a lot of land here in the, in the Pacific Northwest. And, of course, uh, here on this program, we talk about issues uh, in particular uh, in Northwest Washington, here in Western Washington, uh, where these issues are really in the spotlight right now. Um, farming's been under pressure to, you know, hey, restore streams, protect uh, water quality, do a lot of good work, and they have been doing it, and they, and they plan to continue doing it. But we, we continue to see these numbers of salmon decline. Why? What's going on? And when we, we hear about the orcas, and they're starving because they, are, they aren't getting enough salmon. In a lot of cases, most importantly, Chinook salmon. And those seem to be the, the salmon species. And again, it's this is a case-by-case thing, but they're, generally they're the ones doing worst. Why? And, and, and is all this work for, for nothing? Well, we in the farming community certainly don't believe it is, but we're interested in that some of the, the key issues here that, that, that scientists are bringing up are not being discussed in the political realm. And, and we've talked about that here on the program before. Uh, what's happening with harbor seals and marine mammal predation? We, we've heard about the sea lions. And, and when you look at the numbers, it looks like harbor seals uh, take many, many times more Chinook salmon uh, from our waters than harbor seals do. Their, their populations are exploding um, many times larger than they were just a number of years ago. So what's going on with this? Joining us right now is is Tom Nelson, host of the uh, co-host of the Outdoor Line Seven Ten ESPN down in Seattle. Welcome to the program, Tom. And, and you've you've criticized some of these folks speaking out on this, saying they aren't they aren't talking about the full picture here. Explain why you're so passionate about this. Well, thanks thanks for having me on, Dylan. And, and yeah, I mean. When you have a group um, that is the Southern Resident Killer Whale Recovery Task Force, you know, a task force commissioned by Governor Inslee, and um, as soon as this group started meeting, we actually had co-chair of the Recovery Task Force, a, um, a person by the name of Susan Solian, and it, it, it seemed to me at that time that the, the governing document of this task force was basically had to do with with vessel noise and and other uh, harassment type things that they were perceiving to be one of the limiting factors with regard to southern resident killer whale populations. And if you look at the abundance curve of Chinook salmon and you look at the abundance curve of the, of the southern resident killer whales, well, guess what? You get a mirror image there mm. as as the abundance of Chinook continues to decrease. 
so do our SRKWs. I mean, yep. it's Chinook salmon are their food. And, and so when you see something like that, now we have to look at what is affecting our Chinook abundance. And, and, there, and right now, what there, there, there's three things. You touched on the first one, habitat. And habitat's going to be an inherent conflict with, with your listeners, the farming community, and, and some land use practices with regard to streamside complexity. Number two is our reduction of hatchery output because of some faulty science known as HSRG or the Hatchery Science Research Group that, that, that says, well, gee, we can't have too many hatchery fish. We're interbreeding with wild fish. But the third one, and the one that's really not being addressed, is pinniped predation. You and I have both looked at this paper by a gentleman named Chasco. This Chasco gentleman had, can cite 45 years of research. And at the end of the day, he has is, he is, he is detected that six times the, the amount of salmon that are taken by tribal, non-tribal, and commercial interests are, are going down the throats of seals and sea lions. Six times the amount taken by all human user groups are going in the mouths of these harbor seals and sea lions, and twice what the southern resident killer whale orcas eat. Why is this? Because of the 1972 Marine Mammal Protection Act. Okay, we made... We, we, we made it nearly impossible to manage, and that's the key word here, manage the pinniped populations. And in doing so, we've, we've placed them up higher on the food chain, if you will, or the protection chain, I should say, than our Chinook salmon. It's a big issue and one that the uh, Southern Resident Kill Whale Recovery Task Force has to grasp. Why are they ignoring this? Why, why it, it, to me, it's is just... purely political. It's the optics of it, Okay. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of cityites here, and you're, you know, and your listening audience, they know where their food comes from. They grow it, they raise it, they harvest it, they butcher it, the whole bit. But to a lot of these city folk, and you know this, food comes from a grocery store, right? They faint to the sight of blood. And I may be making a, a broad generalization, but I ain't too far off the mark. Here's the thing. They don't want to see... They don't want to see us having to manage the, the pinniped populations and do so by lethal men, measures. And in fact, our senator, current senator, Maria Cantwell, brought the Endangered Salmon Predation Prevention Act on the floor of the Senate. And, and a lot of liberals jumped her, you know what, for doing so, because this is an act that allows lethal removal of pinnipeds, but only extends to the Columbia River. We need a similar action sorely need a similar action here in the Puget Sound. It's interesting. Everybody seems to know about this sea lion issue and they got, you know, they got the political willpower together to, to make that, that measure happen. But from what I see, the, the sea lion issue on the Columbia is pretty small compared to this harbor seal issue. And that's where the real problem is with the, the southern resident killer whales. Uh, what's going on here in, in the Puget Sound, the Salish Sea is... That's that's where the big problem. Well, another one of the big problems is, and nobody's even said boo about it. Well, I, I would I would take I would take one exception to what you're saying okay. with with regard to the Columbia River and and the and the sea lions down there. Make no mistake, as these southern resident killer whales go off Washington's coast, they encounter stocks of of, of Chinook that are Canadian in origin, that are Puget Sound in Oregon, coastal Washington in Oregon. But don't forget that the largest point source of Chinook salmon on the entire West Coast is none other than the Columbia River. Yep. And the That's population true. of pinnipeds, namely sea lions down there, there may not be as many of them as harbor seals, 
but brother, they are huge and they eat a whole bunch of fish. So, so it, it, the, the, the effect of, of culling the pinniped population down on the Columbia River will definitely help the overall orca yep. situation. But, and, and, and we talked about a little, this a little bit off air. The fix to this problem, the Chinook abundance issue, is increasing our hatchery output. If we do so without taking similar action to predation, whether it be seals or sea lions or even or even cormorants, if we increase hatchery production and we don't handle the pinniped problem, we're making a lot of expensive harbor seal seal and cormorant droppings. Expensive seal poop. That's all we're doing. That's it. That's it. I mean, <laughs> well, and, and and but 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 it's not government. You know, you, you, gee, it'd be a big surprise that government <laughs> isn't making the right decisions. But so and 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 you'll have to edit. You'll have to edify me when, on this on this aspect too. I mean, I know a couple of the fishing and boating industry guys that are on the uh, that are on Governor Inslee's Killer Whale Recovery Task Force. Are there? Members of the farming community are there? Members of the of the agricultural community that are on it too? Because if they're not, then that's a that's a big issue too. I I feel that that yeah, as fishermen yeah. are we're being underrepresented. I hope you guys are similarly represented on that board I, or even more. I, so. I think there are, but I I don't think that voice is it's, is major, and certainly it's, it's question, e- easy yeah. one to sideline when it's you know just one voice out of how many right. others. And and I think that's part of the the political mo behind all the how many people um, have their jobs and the grant funding that they get and their political power and their whole livelihood all based on one part of this issue and so they're they have a huge vested interest in not looking at the whole thing oh absolutely and i mean everybody's got an agenda i mean and i'll right. even admit I'll, I'll even admit to having an agenda on this and and my, my my thing is i want to see more salmon okay and if that my, should be all of our agenda though well, right i agree i agree but but here's the thing i i want to see more salmon and and uh if, if that means the killer whales get to eat some more, I, I'm all for that. And I do want to see the recovery of these orcas, right? But you, with, with regard to your point, yeah, there, there are a bunch of, of groups that are represented on this task force that don't, their, their interests don't necessarily align w- with ours. And that's why, but the, and that's fair. I mean, everybody, everybody comes at this from a slightly a different angle. For me, I, we need to see... We need to see a, a larger abundance of Chinook salmon. Here's the thing. As we've drained and diked and built dams and everything, we built these salmon hatcheries. And Washington has the largest salmon hatchery complex or, 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 or uh, investment in the world. I mean, we have more hatcheries than anybody else. We built these hatcheries as mitigation for changing fundamentally what our river basins look like, all right? Especially on the Columbia River. These dams went in. We had to have hatcheries to, uh, to mitigate for lost habitat. Hatcheries are a deal we made with ourselves as society to compensate for our poor land use practices, okay? We owe it to ourselves. And, and any, any other interpretation of why we have hatcheries is simply faulty. I mean, they're, they, are to, they are a makeup for what we've done to the habitat. And, and here's the thing. I mean, we, the killer whales, if, if you talk to any one of the, the, the cetacean biologists, I mean, they'll say, listen, we don't have a lot of time to feed these whales. They're not, their calves aren't surviving. 
you know, I don't need to go through the drama that we all, all witnessed this summer with regard to right. that one killer whale mama pushing her calf around. It was tragic, caught a lot of attention. Okay, listen, habitat takes a long time to recover. Water quality in Puget Sound, it's a, it's a vast under, you know, underwater valley that's flooded, right? It's going to take a long time to recover that water quality. And especially with regard to certain chemical constituents. Yeah. Hatchery we heard about that recently. something we can ramp up right away. Predation yeah. reduction is something we can perform right away. There are the only two things that we can do in the short term to really make a difference with regard to, to killer whale populations. In my mind, the litmus test of whether this task force has the political will to get this thing done are those two issues. If they don't use all the tools available to them, then this whole thing is a joke. Is a joke. It yep. becomes a task farce. Well, and I think you, we, we here in the, the farming community agree. We we think the option should be, you know, everything should be on the table, and let's look at what what does the most and what does the most uh, the most quickly, if that makes sense. And that's I what agree. that's your what you're talking about here. But that's not what we hear this task force talking about. This is not what we hear other groups talking about. And I will I will challenge you a little bit. I mean, everybody's got their vested interest in that. I agree with that. Everybody's got an agenda, but some people's agenda is actually making sure, like like you said actually making sure we uh, the efforts we take actually result in more fish uh, some people's agenda is not only doing that but also keeping you know for instance farming and food production healthy and sustainable in our communities things like that but then there are people whose vested interest is just to keep their job getting government grants doing oh, you mean work like politicians politicians and <laughs> and look at the number of nonprofits that are supposed to be focused on this issue what success are they really having are we really looking at an roi analysis there of all, this entire culture that we've built up and again not that i want to say that these people's mo is entirely bad but they have to have a vested interest in keeping their jobs and that's all been focused on habitat recovery alone and not looking at any other issue it's not surprising that they don't want to go there because what does that say about their job uh, again quote unquote saving yeah. the salmon well, and I, then I, suddenly I, when when the answer is something different where does their reliance on science go it seems like they want to f conveniently forget part of the science here that's being brought out well I, I i think really the only thing that politicians are really good at is getting reelected. honestly if you look at and, and if you look at the effectiveness of the billions with a B that we put in habitat restoration already, yep. okay, and 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 still we see declining numbers of both wild Chinook and now and now hatchery Chinook because of the choices we made. Yep. I mean we're not being effective. We're not being effective at all now. Okay, so now the task force is focusing on vessel noise and and now you know and habitat, which both you know will help. But how much habitat are we going to recover? given the population projections for coming into Western Washington over the next decade or two. Okay, again, Washington is the smallest state of the seven Western states, and we're second in population only to California, and we got more people coming in. How much more habitat do you think we're going to be able to recover given an increasing population? I mean, you got and, and, and this is about being realistic rather than pie in the sky. I mean, the, the, the conversation so much is is where the the perfect or this idealistic view of the future it becomes the enemy of of realistic solutions. 
and actually doing things that work and measurable uh, action versus, you know, again, pie in the sky. I'm an idealist and this is what I think ultimately. And a lot of it's based on kind of deep political philosophy stuff and, you know, humans are evil and okay, maybe, maybe not, but let's talk about what's what we can actually do here. Um, yeah, other than two, other than off all of the humans that yeah, live. Yeah, well, so so and so here and, we go. You can't you can't demonize hatchery fish. All right, we don't even know one hundred percent what an actual pure strain wild Puget Sound Chinook even looks like anymore. Honestly, after after nearly a century of interbreeding all the stocks from the coast and the Columbia and mixing them up here. Now you're going to perform an act of fish racism and say, "Oh no, no, those yeah. aren't those aren't pure fish." No, yeah. no. Okay, now I understand if you take the same fish at the same time from the same stream and keep breeding the same fish, you're going to truncate individual sizes and run timing and all that stuff. I get it. Okay? So we have to use we have to use our hatcheries better, but here's the thing. Hatcheries are a tool. If the tool is not performing the job you, that you intend it to do, you don't blame the tool. You use the tool differently. Yep. And, and so that's, that's what we're looking at here. So we need to ramp up hatchery production, do so wisely, do so within the confines and stipulations of the Endangered Species Act. We need to get a handle on predation, and you watch. Within two, three, even four years, you're going to see a difference. Mother Nature may help us out with a little cooler ocean out front and, and oceanic productivity. I mean, obviously the blob of 2015, 2016, that warm water pool up there decreased oceanic productivity. And so that's part of the fix we're in now. But I expect to see better things in 2019 and moving forward. And I hope the killer whales will, will have a few more fish to eat. But again, they're going to lag behind the Chinook populations as well. Yep. You know, we, even though you could, you could put more hatchery fish in the water right now, and it's still going to be several years before you see an appreciable difference in, in, in killer whale numbers. This is a big deal, and, and more angles of it need to be talked about and needs to be talked about honestly. Tom Nelson uh, with us here on the program. He's co-host of the Outdoor Line on 710 Cairo ESPN in Seattle. He's also a grad of the University of Washington School of Fisheries. He's, he's actually a fisheries biologist, so he, he this is his life's work. He knows a ton about this stuff. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. Let's stay in touch as we keep following this issue, and, and I I really want to hold some feet to the fire here to say, let's get real on everything. Let's not cherry pick for political purposes what we're going to talk about and what we aren't as far as, as recovering Chinook. Good to agree with you more, Dylan. Thanks for having me on.